show. Get this party on the road. How fast can this like go? Whoa, yeah. Celebrity guests from the East Coast to the West. Who knows who he has next? At Greg Carrasco, trending Twitter like a bomb. Tens of thousands on his lawn. He's even followed by your mom. What? Broadcasting live. Here is your warning. The topics are flowing every Saturday morning. Car talk like Sherlock. The guy knows wheels like a Dow stock. Movie talk on the boardwalk. Shoot facts like a tomahawk. So entertaining. Turn up the station. There's no more waiting. The show is beginning. It's too late to escape. Let's go. Here's your host, Greg. Let the song just dig any deeper into this. <laughs> uh, yeah. Good morning, slackers. If you listen to my voice, just know that I love you too. And I also miss you. Except those two. Those two of you. It's not love for you. You're listening to the Greg Carrasco Show, Canada's largest automotive radio show that is not so much about autos. It's not so much about cars. The show is brought to you by Oakville Nissan and Oakville Infinity. We are the home of the no commission salespeople. And I want to send a big shout out to my crew. The boys and girls at Oakville Nissan and Oakville Infinity made March the absolute biggest month that company has ever had in almost 30 years. What? 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 There's more than a pretty face here, folks. My face was made for radio. <laughs> uh, the lines are open as usual. If you're carrying a load and you want to offload it onto somebody, I'm your guy, 289-275-9600 is 
and you're on your way to work and I'm thinking of you. Oh yeah. I'm thinking of you. 289-275-9600. I have to say this because it's it's part of the show and I know that you like you guys like to talk about cars from time to time. So if you're looking at buying something, if you're looking trying to decide between one thing or another, if you need to let me help you make your decision. If you have a trading, you don't know what it's worth. I will help you. But you need to have a thick skin because I don't care about your feelings. I really don't. I save my feelings, whatever few or little of them I have, for things that are important. And cars are not that important. I want to set the pace this Easter weekend with the following quote for all of you out there. Do not chase the butterfly, nor is your garden, and the butterfly will come. A shout out to all of you celebrating religious holidays. Good for you. And for those who don't celebrate any religious holidays, happy day off for no reason whatsoever. Something else you need to be remember, you need to be reminded of, is that uh, at the Carrasco show here on Saturday mornings, I will not be offended. I was talking to Jody this morning, the owner of the station. <sighs> and I made a decision a long time ago, especially when it comes to the show, that... Um, I will not be offended. I will not make the personal decision of hurting myself by something that you said and get offended. Because nothing happens when you get offended. You know that, right? Nothing, nothing happens. Nothing changes. You just get offended. In the tradition of the show, we have some shout outs this morning. So I'm going to bore you for a few minutes. <clears throat> I already sent a shout out to the crew at Oakville Nissan and Oakville Infinity. And don't forget that until the end of the month, if you want to take a payment vacation and you're looking to buy a used vehicle, if there are any, and you have good credit, of course, you don't have to make a payment for up to six months when you come and see me. And I live at that place these days. For those of you that don't know, there is a word called sublimation. You know, you turn garbage into productive energy. This, that's essentially what it means. So I have never been this productive in my life. I have, I have to send a big shout out to Coach Adam. You know, I don't know his last name. Adam NP from Evo. We were rolling the other day, which is our version of fighting. We were rolling and he said, congratulations on, on the school. And I said, how do you know? He says, oh, I listened to your podcast. And I felt all shy. It's like, oh, <laughs> this guy's a teacher. He's super smart. And he listens to me. I'm worthy of you listening to me. You are a gentleman, sir. And for everyone that cares, Octa BJJ, which is my jiu-jitsu school with my partner, Luis Costa, a professor. Stand-up guy, great dad, good friend. We are about 20 days ahead of schedule. So we were hoping to open the middle of May. I think that we're going to open at the end of April. The school is not even open yet, and people are signing up with memberships. 
something happened in there too. We must be doing something right. <clears throat> you know, I want to share something with you that um, this, this show, you know, don't kid yourself. I always say that the show is about you and it's not, it's about me. Um, <laughs> it's my three hour therapy session every single Saturday morning. So I have tried my best over the years to separate my personal life from what I communicate on the show. Uh, sometimes I will write some points that I think are important, but uh, the more I try to separate myself from the content of what goes onto, onto the airways, the, the less like me I feel. And uh, I, I never want to have a disingenuous show in which what you hear is part of a robotic um, script that was written days ago. I'd like to share my life with you, just so you understand that you are not that special. <laughs> there are many of us that are going through a lot of interesting things. You know, this past week, um, I was invited to uh, to the promotion of a black belt at the uh, at Evo BJJ in Mississauga, which is a school that I trained right now, and uh, I will continue to train even though I have my own school. These guys are just amazing. So this past Tuesday, <clears throat> my son Alex and I were at the ceremony, and I and I have to tell you, it was one of the most special events that I have ever had the opportunity to participate in. You know, three of the most, three of the kindest, most respectful and helpful humans that I've ever met. Dave, Ryan, and Clem, who are also absolute beasts, got their black belts, uh, making the number of black belts at EVO BJJ that night, the highest number of BJJ black belts that I have ever, ever seen in a single room. And it's a testament to the sort of loyalty and family environment that you can create at a BJJ school. You know, each and every one of them gave a heartfelt speech and, uh, you know, there were claps and whistles and hell yes. And you know, I mean, the room was on fire when, when people were getting promoted. You know, at some point during the ceremony, the room got completely quiet. You know, when out of the blue, Dave, one of the black belts that had just been promoted, started to speak. Now, I have to preface what I'm going to say by, by explaining to you that Dave is a beast of a man. He is certainly one of the most dangerous humans I have ever known, whether he knows it or not. Uh, whenever I fight with him, you know, I feel in danger every single second that I spar with this man. You know, but within this Herculean, I, I, I don't know how you pronounce that, Herculean, yes, Herculean persona, the most heartfelt, soft voice began to speak. He thanked everyone for the recognition and the community and how long of a road it had been. But then he said something that resonated with me. He said, and, I'm, and this is, I'm, I'm just going to paraphrase here because I know I'm going to ruin it. He said, at my work, I see a lot of things, a lot of things that make life hard sometimes. And coming here means a lot more than just doing jujitsu. It helps me get through life. Sort of a cathartic effect on the soul. And in my mind, I knew exactly what he was talking about. You know, when you have chosen to be a producer, 
when you have chosen to be a provider, a protector. And obviously, I can only speak from the perspective of a man. Life gets rough sometimes. You know, you spend hours sometimes, days or months, trying to just keep it all together. You know, a tough day at work, your kids are mad at you, your wife or your girlfriend leaves you. Maybe you're not what you think you should be. You know, I don't know what your struggle is. And sometimes the density of our lives makes the air so thick that you can't even breathe. And we carry this weight inside. And, and, and we know there is nobody out there who would ever understand what you're going through. And sometimes the person that you thought would understand and be there forever for you is gone. Whether it's your dad or your mom or your girl, who knows? We keep checking the phone for a sign, you know, anything to remind you that you're alive. But then the algorithms, these evil algorithms know exactly what's going on in your life. And your wall on your social media becomes your enemy. It feeds your insecurities and fuels all your inadequacies. And you feel alone. So goddamn alone. And against your innermost desire to curl up in a ball and sleep for days, you drag yourself to the school, the jiu-jitsu school in this case, and you put your phone away for a minute. And for this brief period of time, you are with your brethren, a room filled with 50, 60, 70 people with similar or worse struggles than you, with the capacity to create real havoc in your life. And in a moment of sheer insane trust, the buzzer goes off, the music starts playing, you fist bump your partner, and you trust your partner with your life. Trust is underrated at a jiu-jitsu school. The people who I seem to trust the most, the most are the ones who have the real power to hurt me. And for that very reason, they don't, since they know that I could do the same. But this trust can only be achieved by completely surrendering yourself to the moment. Surrendering yourself to the partner and their intentions. Without a moment of sublime surrender, trust can simply not happen. To trust, you must surrender. To surrender, you have to trust. The level of strength required to completely let go, not many people have. And you may ask yourself this morning, what the hell is Carrasco talking about? Well, this is simple. You know, at some point in your life, if you're one of those lucky ones that have succeeded, that you've made it, you will accomplish what you set out to do. And when you get to the top of that mountain that you work so unbelievably hard to climb, you realize that there is nothing there. That nothing that they told you was true. To be happy, you have to work hard and earn some money and buy a house and get a nice car and marry a beautiful person and have beautiful children and be successful and be recognized by your peers. And then when you accomplish everything and you're on top, you still realize how alone you are. You don't find happiness or fulfillment there. It was never there. 
And the burden of this realization can tear a man apart. I tell you this. And if you don't believe me, ask your dad. If you're lucky enough to have one alive. During a time in which being a man is vilified and toxified. When our little boys are being diagnosed and drugged simply for being little boys. There has to be a sanctuary. There has to be a place where you can detoxify. For me, is jujitsu. By the time the newly appointed black belt finished talking that night, the entire school was in tears. We all knew exactly what he was talking about. We all understood. I see you, Dave. I reflected on all of this amidst the break from sparring, the sweat, the heat, the carnage. So my little guy, my son, Alex, 16, and I were sitting against the wall on the side, taking a break. I leaned my head against his shoulder. I said, I love you, son. He said, I love you, dad. So here is something for you. If what I'm saying to you resonates, listen to this. Out of the night that covers me, black as the pit from pole to pole, I thank whatever gods may be for my unconquerable soul. In the fell clutch of circumstance, I have not winced nor cried aloud. And under the bludgeoning of chance, my head is bloody, but I'm bowed. Beyond this place of wrath and tears looms but the horror of the shade. And yet the menace of the years finds and shall find me unafraid. It matters not how straight the gate, how charged with punishment the scroll. I am the master of my fate. I am the captain of my soul. You're listening to the Greg Carrasco show this morning. Let's take a short break, Lex. Let's get back to regular business. Des yeux qui font baisser les miens, un rire qui se perd sur sa bouche, voilà le portrait sans retouche de l'homme auquel j'appartiens. Quand il me prend dans ses bras, il me parle tout bas, je vois la vie en When I cross the street, it's the cars that have to look both ways. <laughs> I'm Chuck Norris, and you're listening to The Greg Carrasco Show. Hi, guys. This is Roberto Alomar, 
and you are listening to the one and only The Greg Carrasco Show. Me gusta el sol, Alicia y las palomas, el buen cigarro y la guitarra española, saltar paredes y abrir las ventanas y cuando la mujer. And when a woman cries, I like wine, just like flowers. I like rabbits, but I don't like tractors. Homemade bread and the voice of Dolores. And the sea wet in my feet. No soy de aquí. Okay, Lex, cut it out. I'm gonna cry. Stop it. <laughs> Stop it. You know, there's a big difference between, you know, showing weakness and being vulnerable. Weakness is just weakness. You know, you require a tremendous amount of strength to show vulnerability sometimes. If you're just tuning in, folks, it's a beautiful spring day. It's 8.25 on a Saturday morning and Slacker Nation is glued to the radio this morning thinking, what is happening? What's happening with Carrasco? <laughs> hey, listen. I'm gliding through life just like you are. I'm terrified. What am I going to do next? I don't know. What's the next project? I don't know. All I know is that I have to finish the show, provide some compelling content, deal with the haters that are sending emails this morning. You know, I have to say this because it's hilarious. You know, there is a, there is a mouth-breathing knuckle-dragon troglodyte who is a basement dweller probably single if I had to guess he lives in his mother's basement still at the age of 50 if I had to guess and every Saturday morning he takes great pleasure in sending some of the most horrific things that you could ever possibly say to somebody on an email and he started already but I have to say that he's my biggest fan and I know that all he wants is for me to engage him and you know say his name on air because he that's that's all he wants you know, I love you too, man. I know that you ha you must have some serious, serious problems. And I see you, man. I get it. I get it. You know, when people get emasculated at home, they find ways to just validate themselves somehow. And some people do it through email. They try to show some aggression through email. <laughs> yeah, I see you. You, you make me laugh so hard. The number is 289-275-9600. We are live. And whatever is on your mind, you can talk to us. Now, when you call, make sure that you leave us your phone number because if you win the set of AirPods that we're giving away for the best call of the day, 
we have no way to reach you back. So when you call us, 289-275-9600, make sure you say your phone number so I can call you back and give you your price. Like we, for the last two weeks, the best callers, uh, we haven't been able to get a hold of them because I don't know, I don't have any way to communicate with you. Um, at some point, we need to turn this into a car show before Money Mike comes on the other side of the hour and uh, he's going to be talking about some interesting things that uh, he'll dis disclose with you after nine. But, um, you know, something interesting uh, came to mind yesterday. And um, in the car industry, there are three things. We call it the Carrasco gospel. And there, there is a, the, the trinity of mistakes that people make. And um, I try to keep people away from doing this. But, hey, people know better. You have this guy that's been in the industry for 30 years with no vested interest in you doing one thing or another. I don't care what you do, honestly. But if you were related to me, would I let you do it? <clears throat> you know, that's a question that I always ask myself whenever I put forward some advice. So listen to this. Number one, you never buy the lease at the end of the term. That has been challenged in this time around because I'll, I'll tell you, there is, a, there is an interesting phenomenon that's happening in the used car market right now. And uh, there are many vehicles that have some positive equity at the end of the lease. You know, in fact, you don't even have to wait until the end of the lease for you to show up at a dealership and be given cash. They just give you cash for you to sell the vehicle. There are no used cars. But just remember that just like you're capitalizing on a market, you also have to pay in the same market. So you are getting rid of a vehicle and then you're going to have to turn around and buy another one and pay a market adjustment or over list simply because there are no cars around. So be careful what you do. Number two, you never put a car on a line of credit. You never do that. We call that the never, ever, ever plan. And I'm going to get into that in a couple of minutes because I've seen this happening quite a bit. And the absolute worst thing, and Money Mike and I fight about this all the time, you never pay cash for a car. End of story. End of story. End of story. If you have $50,000 and you want to pay cash for the car, the moment that you drive home, folks, and I know that the depreciation is going to be a little bit less given the current automotive industry situation, but you're still going to lose money. So if you finance that car at 3 4 5% and you invest that money and you give it to Money Mike and you are able to get back, I don't know, 8 9 10 12 13% back, I don't know. I don't look at my statements. I'm not retiring today. <laughs> I know that Money Mike is smiling right now. Think of the opportunity cost. Because not only you are paying interest, you also have to deal with inflation. So you may be paying 3% interest rate, but also your money is devaluing itself by 5 6%. Thank you, Comrade Trudeau, our favorite dictator. So here is something that is happening. I did a calculation last night. I was thinking about this. Most people that put their vehicle on the line of credit or they put it against the mortgage, they never pay off the car. And most people will say, oh, no, 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 that's not me. I'm going to pay it off early. That's the way you sound in my mind when you say those things. I'm going to pay it off early. 
undisciplined. <laughs> Stop it. You're not. You're not. You're not special. You're not different. Sorry. In the absence of a crystal ball, the only thing we have is previous behavior, especially when it comes to finances. Yeah, I know some of you are thinking, oh, really? Oh, really? So if you did this before, you're going to do it again? <laughs> I'm not talking about personal life, people. I'm talking about finances. When it comes to personal life, people can change, you know. It's called psychotherapy. But when it comes to finances, if you don't have a sol solid financial foundation, you're going to make the same mistakes. You're going to commit the same sins of the father. If you carry a credit card balance, guess what? You ain't paying the loan early. I'm sorry. You're not going to do it. How many of you carry no credit card balance? I know you're going to say, I don't, I paid off. Okay. You're special. Most people are walking around with 10, 15, $20,000 worth of credit card debt for which they're paying 20% interest rate. Haven't you seen the stats? Canadians are one of the most indebted people in the world. So this is what happens. You know, people put their cars on the line of credit. They put it against the mortgage. Yeah, they reduce their payment. Okay, great. And often those, those lines of credits are interest only. That's exactly what the bank wants you to do, to never pay off your debt and to service it. So I did a calculation last night. If you put a $50,000 car against your mortgage and you have 25 years left, because that's what a lot of people are doing these days. They want to reduce their payment. They always sacrifice what they want most, which is to be debt-free, for what they want right now, which is smaller payments. <laughs> Those two are a contradiction, folks. You cannot be debt-free faster if you want to lower your payments. You remove your debt by increasing your payments and becoming disciplined when it comes to the payback. So listen to this. You buy a $50,000 car. Your mortgage rate now has gone up because if you had a, if you had a rate of, I don't know, 1.7% that you got two months ago, Thanks again to our favorite dictator, Kamar Trudeau. And you're paying now 3.9% mortgage rate, 25-year mortgage. That's what you'll do. Listen to this. On a $50,000 car, if you don't pay it off, you're going to end up paying just under $30,000 worth of interest on that car. That car is going to be dead way before you finish paying it off. And for all of you who put that car on your line of credit, your monthly payment simply just went up. It's going to cost you significantly more for you to service that debt simply because of the financial situation the country is in right now. You have to remember this, folks. As high as you may think that a 3.5 or a 3.9% rate is, you must remind yourself of the following statement. You're spoiled. You are spoiled. 0% interest rate on a car loan or a car lease never existed. 
It's not a thing. It's not a thing. Car manufacturers for a very, very long time used to spend millions and millions and millions of dollars buying the rate down just to incentivize you for you to come down and buy a car from them. But guess what? The tide has turned. There are no cars. So if you want to get something new, you have to buy what they have, pay what they want, and finance it for whatever they give you. You don't have a choice in the matter anymore. So the best that you could hope for, folks, is to get yourself a loan that is less one than what the bank is going to charge you on a car loan. And if you go to your local bank and you ask them for a car loan, they will charge you 6 to 7%. That's what the standard bank rate is on a car loan right now. And I know you're going to say, oh, I'm going to put it in line of credit. Okay, good for you. I just dropped my phone. You know, I dropped my phone so many times. I'm surprised it's still alive. I always buy these Mophie cases that are lifesavers. And I completely lost my train of thought. <sighs> I'm going to put it on my line of credit. No, don't. The best that you can hope for is to get a rate that the bank is going to give you because they bought the rate down. The manufacturer bought the rate down from the bank so they can give you a competitive advantage over the bank. And they give you a finite term. You see, if you know what the term is, you also know that that is how long it's going to take you to buy and pay off that vehicle. End of story. Whether it's five, six, seven, or eight year loans, it doesn't matter. In, in something that I always discuss with people, take the loan for the longest possible term and pay it as quick as possible. A car loan is just like a mortgage. Just because you get a 96-month term, it doesn't mean that you need to pay it in 96 months. Oh, I don't want to have a 96-month payment. Okay, so pay it off quicker. You see, the only thing that happens, folks, when you get yourself a long-term loan, and is that, is, that is the longest possible time that you could take to pay off that loan. It doesn't mean you have to. The bank does not charge you any penalties for paying that loan off early. So what you have to pay is significantly less than what you could pay, what you should pay. And I can get into this argument with Money Mike on the other side of the hour if you want. But the truth is this, folks. Many of you think you know better. At some point, I hope, that 30 years in an industry that everybody seems to despise from time to time. And I can tell you the industry has changed, folks. There are so many good people in the car industry these days. People that mean well. People that want to do good for you. I have no vested interest if you are in Sudbury and you're buying yourself an F-150. It couldn't, it couldn't mean anything less to me. The whole purpose of this show is to try to help you not make a mistake. You see, you have to remember something, folks. The system has been designed to make you make a mistake. And in the process, you ask for it. This is the reason why I don't think that leasing is a good idea. If leasing was good for you, they wouldn't let you do it. Have you ever thought about that? 
if leasing was good for you, manufacturers would never offer it. All the manufacturers are doing is just making you pay the highest level of depreciation on their cars as they take it back and they can remarket those vehicles in the certified pre-owned program. And that's how they make their money. And a lot of people that work in the car industry and presidents of car manufacturers are probably listening to the show right now and say, Greg, why are you giving all our secrets away? Well, it's very simple. It doesn't change the fact that somebody may need a lower payment. And for some people, leasing is not a bad idea. Would I ever lease a car? No. And I can argue on this. I am probably the most relevant automotive think tank in the country. And I challenge anyone to prove me wrong. Just remember that before you call me, I have all the arguments to punch holes in your argument. You are listening to the Greg Carrasco Show. We are Canada's largest automotive radio show, and we are discussing why you should never pay cash for a car. It's not a good idea. And I challenge anyone to call me and fight me. 289-275-9600. 289-275-9600. The show is brought to you by Oakville Nissan and Oakville Infinity. And until the end of the month, maybe until the end of next month, if you have good credit and you finance any one of our used vehicles from either one of my two stores, you can get a six-month payment vacation. You can take a vacation. Oh, yes. Lex, take us to a short break. We'll be right back. Staring at the What's up, everybody? This is Randy Couture, and if I'm not beating people up, I'm listening to The Greg Carrasco Show. Give it a listen. Take care. Hi, everybody. This is Haley Wickenheiser, and you're listening to The Greg Carrasco Show. Life is a mystery. Everyone must stand alone. I hear you call my name, and it feels like home. When you call my name, it's like a little breath down on my knees. Welcome back. You are listening to The Great Carrasco Show. Whether you like it or not, you still glue to the radio. That's, that's all we want. The number to call is 289-275-9600. 289-275-9600. Whatever is on your mind, make sure you give us your phone number. So if you have something interesting to say, we may give you a set of AirPods at the end of the show. Carlos, thank you for calling Slacker Nation Central. How can I make your life better this morning? Carlos? Is Carlos there? Is he there? Carlos? Hello? Well, let's go to Beverly then. Beverly, thank you for calling the Carrasco Show. How are you this morning? 
I'm I'm phoning about last week. Okay. Someone had called about jiu-jitsu in Milton. Okay. And I just want to say that my granddaughter, I had put her in Milton jiu-jitsu. Okay. It's run by Crans, and they were world champions. Okay. And they're very good, and they're very economical. That's awesome. That's awesome. I don't know anything about them. Uh, but uh, yeah, they, they are on Main Street. On Main Street, right in the middle of Milton there? How old is your daughter? Yeah, right, in, right, right opposite the, uh, almost the uh, Shoppers Drug Mart. Okay. Um, now, how old is your daughter? My granddaughter, she, was, she started around five and she finished around 12 because her bones were hurting. But it's run by a family, and they were, I don't know, the Prance, the, the mayor's family. Uh-huh. And she had been world champion, and the dad was world champion. Of jiu-jitsu? And they actually worked with the kids. Yeah, and they mm. actually worked with the kids. And maybe about 10 minutes before the end of the class, they'll sit and gather the kids around, and they'll talk about doing right and... Life and stuff. Stuff <laughs> like that, yeah. Essentially, what we do here every Saturday morning. Beverly, thank you so much for the phone call. I really appreciate it. I don't know anything about the school. I, I, I don't know. Being a world champion is a pretty big deal, so I'm, I'm sure that I would know. But who's to say there's a lot of things that I don't know, far more than the ones that I do. Um, before, the, um, before the break, we were talking about um, paying cash for vehicles being such a terrible thing. And, um, you know, this is something that um, I, I want to make sure that is clear on everyone here or for everyone here. Strictly from a car dealership standpoint, from time to time, when you when your credit is challenged or maybe there are some additional incentives, um, car dealerships will get a small commission from the bank. Um, this is something that a lot of people don't know. And uh, it's called a reserve. Whenever you finance a vehicle and there is a higher interest rate than normal. Now, whenever that only applies if you're paying standard rates. And by that, I mean five, six, seven, eight, and so on and so on. But many of you have good credit. And many of you qualify for the lower interest rates. And whenever you finance a vehicle through the manufacturer solvented interest rate, there is no money that comes back to the dealer. At least that is the case in most of the companies that I've worked for. You have to remember that most car dealerships have to subscribe to their captive finance. So for example, Nissan Infinity, we have Nissan Canada Finance, and uh, we have to provide with loyalty to our captive finance company. That's the way that that company runs. If we don't do it, we get in trouble. You don't want to be in trouble with the manufacturer. Do we have another phone call? Is Carlos back? Carlos, I hope you're back now, man. You, you, you know, you, you, you cut me, man. You, you hurt me deep. Carlos, what's on your mind? Oh no. Yes, hello. Good morning. Hey, Carlos, what's yeah, happening? I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Maybe I disconnected or something like that. No problem. But uh, regarding uh, uh, financing, leasing, and cash. Yeah. If you have the cash to pay off the car, I'm talking about cash, cash. Yeah. Uh, I know uh, business-wise, it's better leasing, I guess. Because, no, that's uh, not you know, true, Carlos. The, that's not true. And you, you write off the, 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 the you write off. Uh, you can write off a finance. You can write off a finance. You can write off a cash purchase you can write off a lease so no there is no real distinction between the three of them so if anybody tells you that they don't know what they're talking about 
You see, I just punched a hole in your argument. But keep talking to me. I I like this. You know, come on. So, so you say you you would not pay a car off? Uh, what? You have the cash? No. Why would you? Well, the bank. Uh, you say you. I've I've heard you in a uh, prior episodes uh, regarding. You know, you pay. Uh, you uh, have a. You go to the bank, but the bank today is not giving you any interest. You leave the money in your savings or your investment. Yeah, but that's why would you leave your money? In, hold on a second, Carlos. Why would you? Can you put them in hold, please? Carlos, you know, the way a conversation works, you say something, I say something, you say something, I say something. We can't talk at the same time. But, you know, why are you leaving your money in your savings account? That is the absolute worst place for you to leave your money. Do you keep your yeah. money in your savings account? Well, I have money in my savings account. No, man, get it out of there. It, put it somewhere else. That You know, that money is getting eaten by the bank and by inflation. <laughs> Do not, folks... If you, I, I have seen this so many times throughout my lifetime, especially with older folk, they just like to leave their money in their savings accounts in, and they in the money disappears. And we're talking about purchasing power right now. At a 6% inflation rate that we have in Canada, thanks to our favorite dictator, uh, Karma Trudeau. Uh, but that's a different show. At a 6% inflation ratio, whatever you could buy with a dollar last year, this year you can only get 94 cents. So that's how your money is disappearing whenever you leave it in your bank account. So no, don't do that. So you would, uh, you would finance it then? I would finance it and I would invest so that money. Of course. So finance it through the dealer? Absolutely, because if you go to the bank, the bank is going to charge you more money for your car loan. That's the reason why people go to get car loans at a car dealership. Now I'm talking new car dealers, not used car dealers. Used car dealers will use the bank. So you pay higher interest rate when you go to a used car dealer. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. If you go to a used car dealer, they're at 6.9. Yeah, but why would you do uh, that in the first place? New car dealerships have used vehicles. Yes. Okay, I don't understand the question, Carlos. Talk to me, please. I need to understand what the point that you're trying to make. You're buying a... Okay, I understand a new car is totally different from a used car. The interest rate... Regarding that. Okay, so it sounds to me, Carlos, that you need to sit down with an actual automotive professional and help you guide your car buying decision. Because often people think that they can buy a used car because they're cheaper. By the time you add, you factor in the interest rate, you end up paying more money than you would have paid if you bought a brand new car at a lower interest rate. <laughs> so if you buy a $25,000 new car at a 3% interest rate, or you buy a $17,000 car at a 6.5% interest rate, you will effectively end up paying more for a $17,000 car than for a $25,000 car. Do you understand what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, I understand. So, what, you know, so he... My, he mentality, my, my mentality, my parents paid everything off. They didn't want to hear about uh, monthly payments. Especially at that time when you have a high interest rate, at, you know, uh, at that time and the uh, 80s and stuff like that. But so okay. my mentality is if you have the cash, pay it off. You see, that's a terrible mentality, you know, and I can tell you this because your parents grew up in a different era. I don't, I don't like, yeah, I don't like to have debts. I just like to pay it off. So but hold on a second. Hear, just, me, hear me out. Debt is not a bad yeah. thing if you're using the money. If you have the money to buy something, then debt is not a bad thing. Debt only becomes a problem if you don't have the money to buy something in the first place. Let me give you an example. Yeah. If I have $30,000 and I'm, 
and I invested $30,000 and I buy a car and finance it for $30,000, then I would pay the interest on those monies with the interest that I'm earning on the investment. But if you don't have $30,000 and you finance a car, then it's a bad thing. The problem that we live in a society in which we don't have the money to buy the things that we want to finance in the first place. You know, and this is something that I always get a lot of heat from. You know, you should not be driving a luxury car if you have a mortgage. That's a terrible thing to do. You don't have your priority straight, and that is bad financial education. Yeah, you took the words out of my mouth. Carlos, I know Carlos, where are your parents from? Portugal. Portuguese. You know, Portuguese yeah. people, I'm, I'm going to generalize here. They're good savers, man. You know, I don't know very many Portuguese people that are not incredibly good with their money because they, they grew up to the recession. They moved here a couple of decades ago. And, man, they are crushing it through real estate. At least all of my Portuguese yeah. friends do. So, But anyways, Carlos, thank you so much for the phone call. I really yeah. appreciate thank it. You. But we need to, uh, need to break up. Thank you, brother. You know, folks, you have to remember what I said to you earlier. I don't have any vested interest in you, you doing one thing or another. But uh, in the words of Sun Tzu, he said, when you see an enemy making a mistake, let them. You're not my enemy. So when you come to my store and I see you making a mistake, I see you doing something that I would never do knowing all the things that I know. I'm going to tell you. It is my job to steer you the right way. At least if you make the mistake after I told you, my conscience is clear. My conscience is clear because I gave you the right advice at the right time. Now, whether you take the advice or not, eh, that's your problem. You know, it's the same thing that happens with your kids. And this is a, you know, it's an interesting dilemma that parents have. You know, we see our kids making a mistake we know exactly how their mind is going to change 10, 15, 20 years from now. And you tell them, this is not a good idea, but no, 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 no. They just want to make the mistakes themselves. Folks, experience is expensive. When wisdom is for free, <laughs> why do we keep paying the price for experience? Hmm. Maybe we need to go back to the old days in which elders were the most respected people in the village. When elders were the most respected people in the communities, when we actually used to listen to our parents and our grandparents, they knew a thing or two. Just because your grandparents don't know how to set up their iPhone doesn't make you smarter than they are. We are fools sometimes. You're listening to the Greg Carrasco Show, Canada's largest automotive radio show. We have Money Mike, the brains of the operation, is coming on the other side of the hour. The show is brought to you by Oakville Nissan and Oakville Infinity. And for the time being, and while supplies last, if you have good credit and you want to finance a used vehicle, you don't have to make a payment for up to six months. You can take a vacation, a payment for KK. You can sit back in a couple of mojitos and not make a payment on your used car, which is new for you. Let's take a short break, Lex. We'll be right back. Look who's digging their own grave. That is what they all say. You'll drink yourself to death. Look who makes their own bed. Lies right down with it. 
Hey, what's up, sports fans? Forrest Griffin here, and I want you to check out the Greg Carrasso Show. Check him out. Greg and the gang. Uh, yeah, enjoy. It is time for Greg Carrasco. Kick it. Show. Get this party on the road. How fast can this right go? Whoa, yeah. Celebrity guests from the East Coast to the West. Who knows who he has next? At Greg Carrasco, trending Twitter like a bomb. Tens of thousands on his lawn. He's even followed by your mom. What? Broadcasting live. Here is your warning. The topics are flowing every Saturday morning. Car talk like Sherlock. The guy knows wheels like a Dow stock. Movie talk on the boardwalk. Shoot facts like a tomahawk. So entertaining. Turn up the station. There's no more waiting. The show is beginning. It's too late to escape. Let's go. Here's your host, Greg. a rich man and I have been a poor man and I choose rich every time. Those who know, know. That is the intro song for the brains of the operation. I know your kids are rolling their eyes back in the back of the head, Mike. Yep. Money Mike is in the house. This is my personal financial advisor. The guy that single-handedly changed my life. And I've, I have so much gratitude to this dude that I said, okay, you need to come on the show. And maybe, maybe you're going to be able to change other people's lives. Because I had confused myself in my ability to generate income and my ability to retain that said income. And they didn't go hand in hand. <laughs> How are you, Mike? I'm doing excellent. A long weekend. I think everybody is, uh, is okay with a little extra time off work. It's good. I don't do well with time off, Mike. Yes, ninety-nine percent of people. I should have. I should have specified. Yes, I, I have a tremendous amount of problems with time off. I can't. You know, by by one o'clock yesterday, I had gone to the gym twice. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not joking. I was pushing. Uh, you know, yesterday was leg day, and I was pushing a lot of heavy squats for a long time. Then I came back up, give a bath to Marcus, for those of you who follow me on Instagram. Um, my beautiful, beautiful dog uh, was getting a bath. And um, then at uh, 1 p.m., I was at the jiu-jitsu club for another two hours, getting my face smushed in. Yikes. Yikes. I don't, I don't do well with inactivities. What, what do you have planned this weekend? Well, we've got some some family stuff going on. Um, Sunday, we're going to do the the Easter thing with my side of the family. Andrea and her sister are going to go up and see her parents uh, today and hopefully see her sister and their family for some dessert tonight. So a lot of family stuff. A lot well, of family that's, stuff. Uh, that's amazing. I'll yeah. probably go drop by and see my sister. There I you go. I love that girl. There you go. It's amazing. Um, for those of you that uh, need some help in the financial realm, if you need some guidance, 
if you need a shining light that will get you out of financial darkness and you're sitting on a stash of cash in your mattress or your bank account like Carlos was talking about early, write Money Mike's website or email address down, moneymike.ca. Reach out to him. He'll talk to you. Or call him after the show, 905-320-6762. That is his, that's his cell phone number. 905-320-6762. If you have any questions and you want to call and talk to us live on the show right now, 289-275-9600. Today is Saturday, April 16th, and it's 9.07 in the morning, so we are live. You can talk to us. Um, this this last federal budget, Mike, yeah. is making a lot of noise for a lot of different reasons. And uh, amidst all the, uh, all the weeds that we find in federal budgets because governments have the tendency to hide all sorts of nasty little things in the middle of it. Um, there's got to be some shining light for somebody at some point. I mean, after all, he was elected by somebody. So can we discuss the federal budget and, um, you know, just just to have a summary as to what this means to the regular Canadian, to slacker nation? How can a regular slacker benefit from what happened from the last budget you know what do you say about that yeah well you know of course it, it came out more than a week ago so i apologize to the listeners that we're just getting around to talking about it now but um it was it was an interesting budget as they always are um you could you could very quickly tell the main focus of the the federal budget anyway is all about housing um mm-hmm. you know it's it's a problem and and as far as a g7 nation is concerned we're well behind the, the rest of the world and availability of, of affordable housing. And so our government took a, a big stab at trying, well, took a stab. I won't, I won't say big or small, just took a stab at making some improvements to it. Um, you know, I, a stat that, uh, oh, yeah. Can I ask a quick question? Yeah, sure. Before you get into this, how can you convince someone, a layman, that yeah. house, housing prices doubling over the last six years is a bad thing? How can I convince a, a layman that it's a yeah, bad yeah, thing? Yeah, a regular person that house prices doubling up in the last six years is a bad thing. Well, try to buy a house. But I mean, most people that have a house, they are enjoying a tremendous amount of uh, unearned wealth that yes. uh, that they just came across. And all these people are walking around as if you know they're making it rain for themselves. Uh, with monies yeah. that they didn't earn. And that well, creates a social problem, no? It creates a lot of problems. I mean, first of all, it, it is one of the things that's fueling the, the continuation of the economy we have. People can borrow against their house because their house is worth more, they can borrow more. And so there's a lot of that happening. The debt levels are increasing as people use their, their home as a credit card. It's a problem because if you own a home um, that someday you want to sell, you need to have somebody there who's going to be able to buy it and if new homeowners cannot afford to buy your home they won't buy it um and so you know a lot of the people who own homes have kids who someday want to buy a home and and it's an issue being able to buy it from a renter's perspective it's an issue because now you know i'm charging you eighteen hundred dollars a month to run rent my six hundred thousand dollar home well now it's a 1.2 million dollar home and eighteen hundred dollars a month isn't going to cut it anymore. So how about how about three thousand? Mm. And and now renters can't afford to rent a home. 
So it, it is, I mean, a, a little bit of natural organic growth, which is kind of what we're used to over the long term with housing is is quite understandable. But the, the growth that we've had does put it out of reach. It puts it out of reach for, for people to buy homes. And at the end of the day, that's what helps keep a market healthy is if the liquidity of that asset continues to be strong. I want to sell my house. Someone's there to buy it. And it's, and it's easy. You know, the, a stat came out that uh, in a few areas, specifically Toronto and Vancouver, it's something like a third of all residential properties are owned by investors. Um, you know, multiple property owners, most of the cases being people who just own their own home and one other properties, but mm-hmm. but a third of properties are owned by people who are going to rent them out and or just an investment. And and if that's the purpose of residential housing as an investment primarily, it becomes an issue and, and feeds that that problem of of rising prices. I completely understand. So yeah. sorry I interrupted you. So no. let's get back to what you were what you were saying before. You know, the, the thing that seems to be on the the tip of most people's tongues talking about what came out in the federal budget is these FS, FHSAs, the uh, first home savings accounts. And so this is the first measure and, and probably the most substantial one that they brought out to uh, to try to, to help people to buy homes. And so this is sort of in direct competition with the first time home buyers plans. Um, you know, it, before this proposition the government came out with the, the first time home buyer plans was the ability to borrow money from your RSPs for the down payment on your first home. And you could, you could borrow up to 35,000. And um, how long did you have to pay it back? Well, it's, that was the, the main drawback of the, uh, the first time home buyers plan is if I borrow this money from my RSP, great. I don't take it, pay any tax to take the money out. So I, I can put it down on the, the down payment, but then I have to repay that money back to my RSP. So if you envision, you know, to, to a couple, so they each took full advantage of that program. They each took out 35,000 from their mm-hmm. RSPs. They've got 70,000 for a down payment and that's their only down payment on a home. Well, fine. They can afford to, to buy the house now and they're, they're mortgaged for the rest But because you have to repay that $70,000 to your RSPs, it's essentially like you're 100% mortgaged on your home. But the problem is the bulk of your mortgage you're stretching out over 25 or 30 years. Mm-hmm. The first time home buyers plan, you have to repay in 15. Interesting. So it actually costs you more in cash flow for that portion that you own um, than, than the rest of the mortgage does. So it, it helps you get the down payment and get you into the home. But from a cash flow perspective, It can doesn't, really hinder help you. you. No, it's not very helpful. So this new program, the first home savings account, has a really neat concept. So here, here's how it works. You can contribute up to $8,000 a year to this plan. Uh, you are capped at $8,000 per year. You are capped at a $40,000 lifetime limit. So that's you know each partner, if we're talking about a couple that are buying a home, they can each do this. The contributions to the plan are tax deductible, just like an RRSP. Mm-hmm. cool when you take the money out to buy a home and you have 15 years to do it you have to once you start this you have to purchase a home within 15 years when you pull the money out for the down payment it's not taxable and you don't have to repay it Interesting. ah yeah that becomes a little bit better so now we're up yeah. to 80,000 um, and not having to repay it means you truly do save the cash flow from your down payment, which is ultimately what a, a down payment is for, is to make the uh, the cash flow of the remaining mortgage 
more affordable. So, you know, on the surface, it seems like a better plan. Obviously, it still has some some limitations. The fact that that uh, contribution room doesn't carry forward sort of means once you start that clock of of opening an account, you've got to hit that $8,000 number every year because your room will not carry forward and you're going to be cut off after five years. Mm. So you you have to plan to hit that number. But, the you know, the, the main problem that I see is people who are looking for housing today, they don't have that kind of patience. They're not talking about how much do I need to contribute for the next five years and then give it another 10 years to grow. So I think this is a a program that can be very helpful for a lot of kids out there. Like parents, talk to your kids, you know, as soon as they're eligible for that program at 18 years old. Because I put money in. Start socking the money away. You know, this this might become a, a greater a priority for some rather than education savings for 18 and 19 year olds. But, uh, you know, if, if they can fund this from 18 to 23 and then allow it to grow, it can be even more than $80,000 between a couple that they've, uh, that they've built up and, and can be a very serious contribution to the down payment of a home. That, that is only $666 a month for in savings. Now, yeah. can you help your kids by, Given them um, a, a head start, because you know, let's face it, a lot of kids at the age of eighteen, they have they don't have two pennies to rub together, and they're often in school and trying to worry about other things. And I right. understand that some kids are extraordinary when it comes to savings, but uh, if you give it to them for this purpose, can you use it as a tax deduction? No, no, no. It, the tax deduction would only be applicable to the owner of the account. Mm-hmm. So, and, and you know what, actually you, you raise an interesting point. The other problem with a lot of uh, 18, 19, 20 year olds is they don't really pay any tax because they're not making very much money. They're working part-time. So what is the value of a tax deduction for an 18 or 19 year old who pays no tax? Well, there's no value. Mm-hmm. So, you know, to that extent, I think a lot of uh, kids who are eligible for it are probably best to continue to use tax-free savings accounts until they get to a point where they're working full time and now they can benefit from the tax deduction. So I think that's, uh, you know, 18 to 22, the, the sort of uh, post-secondary years, that's going to be the vast majority of them keep maxing out that tax-free savings account so that when you are working full time, then you can start using this FHSA, uh, the first time, first home savings account. You know, I, I don't know how feasible this is going to be because due to the housing prices in Toronto anyways, mm-hmm. uh, rental um, prices are so unbelievably expensive that a lot of people don't have an, an additional $700 a month to save uh, on this on this program. Uh, you know, that's a, that's a lot of disposable income to put away when you're 21 or 22. Well, it, it could be, but you know, at the same time, if you don't have the cash flow to put towards saving for a home, how will you ever afford the home? Regardless of what the price of that home is and the amount of down payment you have, you've, you've got to be able to build it up and because a home does cost more than a rental, invariably, universally, it does cost more. So if you're going to afford that more expensive style of living, you mm-hmm. have to be able to save for it. You got you to show you have the cash flow. Um, you know, again, that, that 18 to, to 25 year old crowd stay at home as long as you can shop in the grocery store of mom and dad, let them, let them pay those bills so you can 
you know, force your cash flow into to saving for the future. But I mean, let's be honest. I mean, kids nowadays working part-time jobs are making a thousand dollars a month. So if it's important enough to you, make it a priority. Use is- use the program. It, it, it's it's an interesting one. I think it has a lot of potential. And for you know, those of us who, you know, speak for myself, I didn't buy my first home till I was 30. Yeah, same um, here. Same you know, here. so if you start into a program early in your 20s and give it a decade to grow, max out those contributions, allow it to grow, it can really have a huge impact on your down payment. Do you think that um, as a as a country, we we suffer from a severe lack of financial literacy in our school system? Because I don't think that this is talked about much in um, high school or even post-secondary education. We teach people about everything else other than the things that really matter. Do yeah. you think that um, we are ever going to be able to maximize all this uh, all these benefits that we have when we have a bunch of people that don't, don't really know what to do with their money? Well, I, I think um, the educational system is working on improving the financial education. It started for my own kids when they were in grade school, um, and they, it continues to happen. I, my uh, son's class did, just did uh, financial, I don't even know if it was considered a whole unit, but they did some, uh, some lessons back in the fall. Uh, it is something that's, uh, that's happening, but you know, does it go far enough? Does it give them the in-depth knowledge of things like how do I save for a home? I guess uh, for my perspective, time will tell. I mean, my son's only in grade nine. Um, I, I don't think it goes to that depth that young, but they're trying. They're getting there. They're working on it. Well, so long as they're working on it, folks, this is the uh, Greg Carrasco show and I have the brains of the, of the operation here. Money Mike is in the house. If you want to reach, reach Money Mike and uh, switch your investments to him, uh, you can reach him at moneymike.ca or you can call him after the show at 905-320-6762. If you have a question for him, he's in the studio now. Call us at 289-275-9600. The show is brought to you by Oakville Nissan and Oakville Infinity and we are the home of the no commission salespeople. On the other side of the break, we're going to be talking about the anti-flipping tax. I want to know about this because this is going to affect a lot of Canadians that are buying and selling real estate. Lex, take us to a short break and we'll be right back. It's nine o'clock on a Saturday A regular crowd shuffles in There's an old man sitting next to me Making love to his tonic and gin Hey, hey, what's up, Toronto? When the boogeyman goes to sleep, he checks under his bed for me. Ken Shamrock here, and you're listening to The Greg Carrasco Show. Hello, Toronto. What's up, guys? This is Vito Belfer, and you are listening to one of the toughest guys on air. Greg Carrasco Show, man. Congratulations on your show. I wish you all the best. Toronto, stay safe out there. God bless you, man. This is Vito Belfer, the phenom. Ready to strike. Let's go.
Welcome back. You are listening to the Greg Carrasco Show, and Money Mike is in the house. MoneyMike.ca is where you can find him, or you can call him after the show at 905-320-6762, and he will inject some of that wisdom that he did for me many, many years back, and life has changed since. Folks, you know, I got to tell you this. If you don't know the name of your financial advisor, if you don't remember the last time they called you to see how you are doing, maybe it's time for you to make a switch. It is unbelievable how many people hire financial advisors and these folks, the moment they have your money, they forget about you. It's not nice. It's not nice. If you have a question for money, Mike, call us 289-275-9600. We are live. It's 927 this Saturday morning, 289-275-9600. The best phone call of the day is when I get a set of AirPods. And uh, make sure that you leave us your phone number because otherwise we won't be able to reach you. It's very important. Um, Mike, The uh, within this budget, they introduced a sneaky little thing here, the anti-flipping tax. Mm-hmm. It's a bit flippant. What's happening with this? Talk to me. Scare this, me. The, yeah, this one's interesting. So the anti-flipping tax. So profits from the sale of a residential property, whether it's a home, a, a principal residence, or a rental property that you have owned for less than 12 months, any gains on the sale of that property are going to be taxed as business income, which means 100% taxable. Uh, it, it will not be treated as a capital gain. It, you will not be eligible for your principal residence exemption if you've made money on that sale in less than a year. Starting when? Well, as of, uh, you know, this this budget is proposed for changes post-January 1st, 2022, but some of these changes aren't going to come into to effect until 2023. So, um, you know, if this is a, a house that you had previously purchased and you're on the verge of selling, you're probably going to be fine, but purchases made from this point forward, uh, it's going to apply. It's going Damn, to apply. Damn, this is yeah. going to affect a lot of people. It It is. I, I think there's a few circumstances that they won't apply that rule. You know, if you were forced to sell, if you were, you sell because you probably, if you relocate for a job and that's the reason for it, but um, yeah, for rental property, I mean, there's not a lot of people who buy a rental property and turn around and sell it seven months later. Um, But, you know, this is, this is to make sure that people treat residential real estate as it's intended to be. Uh, 12 months is not a particularly long time to hold on to a, a property. So but it is going to affect a lot of people. What are you talking about? You know, <laughs> I was thinking about my life this morning, Mike. <laughs> you know, that's one of the problems of getting up so early in the morning. You start reflecting on life. And I was thinking about last year. What was I doing last year? Last year, I was moving into a farm. Right. Right. You know, I, was, I was moving into a farm. I was doing some renovations. I hired the absolute worst renovation company and pool company that I've ever known in the history of the planet. They are getting sued for, for, for emotional damage. Emotional damage. Yes, they're getting sued for that. I have never been the same afterwards. But, you know, 12 months is a long time. You know, I have gone through three houses in the last 12 months. No, no, but the, the house you moved out of initially, you were there for years. And where you are now, you will be there for longer than 12 uh, months. It was just that one in between. I don't know about that. Yeah? Okay. I don't, 
I don't know about that. Well, watch your 12 months. That's all I'm going to say. Watch your 12 months. <laughs> I know. Oh, you know, I am. Um, this has got nothing to do with the show, but uh, uh, the uh, the people at the condominium corporation here, they they elected me their president. But <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, we've I, always said, Greg, you find the busiest person in the room. If you want to make, <laughs> make sure things get done, put them in charge. I, you know, I am. Um, I was uh, I was asked to participate, and I'm thinking, yeah, who is ever going to elect me? And uh, next thing I know, I am the president of the condo board. It's like, hold on a second. Now I have to take a 16-hour course to get certified to the condominium of Ontario Association of Ontario. I need to have a, do I need to have a certification now. What are you doing? You know, I am living my life furiously, Mike. <laughs> furiously there is not a single minute of the day that i am idle and yeah. um i as i get older i, I realize you know that whole notion i've shared this before on the show that as you get older life is like a roll of toilet paper the closer you get to the end the faster it spins and uh, <laughs> i feel one. that i feel that my life is going by so quickly mike it's unreal it's like i i, I live my life from i blink and the next show is coming up boom next yeah. saturday boom next saturday it's like i feel that you were just here last week and it's been half a month yeah yeah it is it's, it it does fly fast it does fly fast but on that basis um you know 12 months in my life is a long time i'm a different person than i was last week yeah yeah well you're just gonna have to uh, make that uh, make that transition period slow down a little bit you gotta get through 12 months so, folks, if you are listening to the show right now and you have made it a business, because there's a lot of people that have made it a business to flip houses, you you find yourself a little bit of capital and you start investing into you know future builds or uh, or, or just homes that you you buy in, renovate and sell, uh, and you you have made that a business model. This is going to affect you tremendously over the next little while. Now, you say that this becomes an effect on uh, January first, no? You know what? I, I didn't note the date for that one. There was a, a, a bunch of the measures in the in the proposed budget that some of them took effect January 1st. Some of them took effect as of the date of the budget. And I believe this is one of the ones that was as of the date of the budget. There are some of them like the first home savings accounts that aren't going to kick in until 2023. So um, you got to you got to watch the, the start dates of each of those proposals. OK, fair enough. Yeah. Number three is the home buyer tax credit. Talk to me about this. Yeah, so f- first-time home buyers buying a a new constructed home used to enjoy a five thousand dollar tax credit, non-refundable tax credit, uh, as of this new budget uh, after January first of this year, uh, it's now going to be ten thousand. So it saves you about fifteen hundred dollars in taxes. So another little addition to uh, to giving some some money in your pocket when you're getting into home ownership. Um, they also inc- increased the uh, the annual limit of the home accessibility tax credit. Okay. So when you when you're doing renovations to your home to make it more accessible for uh, for seniors for for those with disabilities, that's now up to twenty thousand dollars per year of renovations you can do and and get tax credits for. So again, trying to make it helpful. Do you need to have a disability in order for you to have this accessibility tax credit? Well, no. I mean, disability is one of the things, but it can be for seniors as well. Um, I, I'm. I don't think you apply, Greg, although you're getting really old. You're getting so old. 
but I don't I don't think that you would qualify uh, on the merits. <laughs> Come on, man. I think I'm a I think I'm a senior as shoppers know. No. I think at 50, you become a senior at Shoppers Drug Mart. A stair platform to get Marcus into the tub will not count. Oh, man. Okay. Sorry. I, I tried. Number five, the Number new five. multi-generational home. Yeah. Right. So, so again, much like the uh, much much like the accessibility tax credit, this one is a home renovation tax credit, multi generational one, for the purposes of bringing qualified family members to live with you. Again, let's let's keep our parents at home with us rather than in uh, in long term care facilities. So that's now up to fifty thousand dollars of renovations that you can write off, and this one's refundable. What if my girlfriend identifies herself as my mommy? does that qualify offside offside <laughs> not touching that not touching that that's, so that's a is... whole other therapy session man so that's that's fifty thousand dollars if you want to bring your parents into your house and you want to do some renovation in the basement or somewhere else to yeah. to have living quarters for them and and that's a refundable tax credit so even if you don't if you ended up not paying tax in the year it's going to put money back in your pocket by spending that money you know, yeah. that's that's a very very interesting um, uh, uh, tax credit. Fifty thousand dollars is quite a bit of money. Now, how yeah. do you do that? So let's say that you spend fifty thousand dollars on renovating downstairs for your mom. Yeah. How do you claim that? Do you claim it against your taxes? So now. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So you know, a normal non-refundable tax credit like the home accessibility one, like your basic personal exemption, the age credit. All of those are what's called non-refundable tax credits. So it reduces your taxes by 15% of the uh, of the amount that you get to claim. But then if it if it draws you down so far that you end up not owing any more tax, well then the rest of those credits become wasted. So so this one with the multi-generational home renovation tax credit, it's up to 50,000 and if if that's enough money that it drove your taxes to zero, then you will still net a refund on 15% of the remainder of those credits. So year. that will be a hard $7,500 that comes back to your pocket for doing those renovations, regardless of your tax situation. So a refundable tax credit. That's that fascinating. Pretty- you know, mm-hmm. let's, uh, let's take another short break, folks. Uh, this is Money Mike in the house. Uh, you know, this is very, very important information, folks, that you need to be writing down. And if the time has come for you to switch and to move your monies, to give your mullet to somebody that knows exactly what he's doing, reach out to Money Mike at moneymike.ca. You can call him at 905-320-6762. And if you want to call the show, it's 289-275-9600. The show is brought to you by Oakville Nissan and Oakville Infinity. We are the home of the no commission salespeople. Lex, let's go for a short break and we'll be right back. Darcy Tucker here, and if you're hearing the sound of my voice, it's too late to escape. You're listening to The Greg Carrasco Show. My dad told me Saturday mornings used to be for watching cartoons, and now we have to listen to this guy? My name's Lily, and you're listening to The Greg Carrasco Show! 
do it You play the guitar on MTV That ain't working, that's the way you do it Money for nothing and your tricks for free Now that ain't working, that's the way you do it Let me tell you what you do Damn guys We're back You're listening to the Greg Carrasco Show and Money Mike is in the house talking to us about how the latest federal budget is going to affect you and I. It's going to affect us a lot more than you think. This is what happens when you don't pay attention. The government slips fast ones. <laughs> If you want to reach Money Mike, you know, reach him at moneymike.ca or you can call him at 905-320-6762. Or you can call us at the show, 289-275-9600. Um, we are on number six. A two-year foreign ownership bank and purchasing non-recreate. Oh, that's too long. What is that? <laughs> yeah, actually, you know what? You I, Sometimes I almost forget that we're a call-in show. I, I, I would love to hear from some of the callers about that first home savings account to, to see if that's something they plan on taking advantage of. That would be interesting. But anyway, let's, yeah, let's go back to number six. So a two-year ban on foreign ownership of purchasing property here in Canada. So that's going to apply to any foreign corporation. It's going to apply to anyone not intending to become a resident of Canada, uh, purchasing a non-recreational residential property. How do you define a non-recreational property? You know, isn't, it's like... isn't that a great question? <laughs> yes. Yes. How do you, uh, you know, a, a home that's in the middle of Oakville, can that not be recreational because it's near, near-ish to the water and I plan on using it for vacations? If I put a pool table in the basement, does that make it a recreational place? Yeah, yeah. I know it's, it's uh, you know, a little bit of one of those gray areas. How are they going to identify it? How are they going to enforce it? Hard to say, but for the next two years... Uh, 2022 and 2023, that'll be the intention of uh, stopping foreign ownership. They, they, the intention of that type of change is to curb the effect of foreign ownership is having on the rising interest or the rising housing prices here in Canada. But there's a lot of uh, a lot of statistics that say it's really not that large a percentage of the of the issue. So don't know how much that's going to curb rising housing prices. And I think that's generally the, the sort of negative feedback that I'm hearing about all of these changes is it's not really doing much to make housing more affordable. Mm. And that's supposed to be the intention, right? It's supposed to be, but I don't know. I mean, Oakville is a pretty active real estate market and I don't know of a single place that you know, bought with foreign interests. I don't, you know, it's not something that I have ever heard of. In, oh, in I'm sure vicinity. it happens more. I'm sure it happens more than, you know, uh, uh, maybe, maybe I'm in the poor side of Oakville, you know, maybe in the rich side of Oakville. <laughs> <laughs> but, but, you know, obviously Toronto and Vancouver are the, the larger places that are getting foreign investment dollars, but I'm sure it spills in uh, more than we think in, in other areas. Yeah. Number seven, uh, talk yes. to me about the increased access to the small business tax rate. This one can get a little bit heavy in uh, in detail, so I'm, I'm going to stay very surface on this and simply say that there's a small business deduction limit. There's, a, there's an amount of money that businesses can earn and they pay a very low amount of tax on. We've talked about it on the show before, mm -hmm. you know, that 88 and a half cent dollars. Um, and so right now there's a couple of different tests One of them is if you are a capital intensive corporation, 
if you have more than $10 million in taxable capital. So this would be things like car dealerships. Not sure if you're <laughs> familiar with those, Greg. Um, I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah. Car dealerships, real estate companies, if they have more than $10 million of capital, their access to that small business deduction limit um, gets ground down. And if they have more than 15 million, they don't get that small business limit at all. So they've proposed raising it, you know, still starting at 10 million, but not grinding it down to zero until you hit 50 million in a, in capital assets. Mm-hmm. Well, that's great. But, you know, the passive income rules that say if you earn more than $50,000 in a year in passive investment income, we're going to start grounding, uh, grinding that small business limit down. And if you exceed 150,000 in passive income, again, your limit is gone. They didn't affect that one. They left that one the same, but then, then just expanded the asset side from, from a 15 million cutoff to a 50 million cutoff. I, I, I don't know that's going to have a meaningful effect on car dealerships that, uh, that have a lot of assets. Yeah, I don't I, that's yeah, that's not the way that um, the car dealership as a corporation would manage their uh, their funds, if you will. No, that's not no, that's not the way that is done. But uh, you know, I can I can see how that would affect um, medium medium large me, medium to large uh, corporations for sure. Small business ones, anyway. I mean, in in Canada, anything under 150 million is considered to be a small business. Wow. <laughs> but um, but those are corp those are public corporations typically. Yeah, I don't know how you could at any given point consider a 150 million dollar corporation a small business. But you know, my definitions are not the ones that are running the country sure. right now. So sure. now on number eight, requiring financial institutions to report the value. Uh, what what is this all about? Okay, so eight and nine are, are sort of hand in hand. They raised a couple of things sort of shot across the bow. We're going to let you know this is something we're looking at. So one of the things they're going to do is require financial institutions to report the value of RSP and RIF accounts every year, the fair market value of those accounts. The intention is to target very large account values. So again, there's another one of those, well, what does very large mean? Mm-hmm. Uh, let's let's leave that <laughs> open-ended. Let's let them apply it. Yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah. <laughs> let's let them apply it however they want, right? Yeah. And so what's the intention of this? Well, the intention is to say, to look into those accounts and say, how did they reach those really high values? What sort of investment activity allowed them to, to generate these large account sizes? They may, if it's someone who was really successful in stock picking, if it, if it is deemed too large by the government's uh, expectations, are they going to start deeming that person as being a professional investor and therefore no longer able to shelter the growth inside an RSP? Hard to say. But they're going to, they've, they've announced that, that they're going to start looking at people who are just doing too well in their RSPs and RIFs. Well, it's... <laughs> The, the the actual deeper implications of that statement is yeah. beyond me. Yes. Uh, it's, it's like yes. the game of whack-a-mole, you know? Whenever somebody starts doing a little bit too well, we need to hit them back down again so they can blend with the rest. How does that work? How, how do we get into a society in which we punish performance? They want a share. They want their cut. 
It's all about, I need tax revenue so I can continue to overspend. So here's an avenue that we, uh, I, I, I don't know what sort of projection they have for actually earning that to that extra tax revenue. But again, this is something that they're proposing doing. Number nine is also an interesting one. They are, they are proposing a new minimum tax on top earners. Again, nothing specific. The, uh, the fall economic statement that comes out this fall is when they expect to give more details on that. But, you know, right now, Uh they say they're targeting the top 0.5% of income earners. That's defined as people who earn report earning more than $400,000 a year. You are the, you're the top 0.5% in the country. If you're one of those people. So, they are going to bring in a new tax because, again, they've got all the stats, right? The top tax bracket in Canada is roughly $221,000 a year, and you pay 33% federal tax at that at, at income above that level. Okay. Well, they're saying that the, the top income earners, on average, paid 15% or less federal tax. So when the top tax bracket's at 221000 and these people who are all earning more than 400000 are paying half the top rate, how does that happen? They're, they're taking advantage of tax deductions, et cetera, to lower their taxes. And so the government has said, we're going to propose a, a new minimum tax so that they can't avoid as much as they're avoiding right now. Details to follow. We'll talk to you in the fall. Folks, we live in scary times. <clears throat> You know, it's, these are these are scary time. Now, yeah. how do you, how do you see this having an effect? Well, I guess when when you are talking about the 05 percent of income earners in the country, yeah, there there is no there will be no mass uprising on nope. this. Nope, because everybody gets a single vote uh, come election time. So yeah, yeah, it's a numbers game. <sighs> This is terrifying, folks. But anyways, well, that's yeah. that's the time. I, I, maybe it's time to move to Aruba. Where, where is a place that you can go and shelter your 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 mula, Mike? Is it uh, the Cayman Islands? The Cayman Islands. Yes. I hear a lot of people doing uh, moving to Costa Rica. Costa Rica. Uh, that, that's a very apparently a very popular rich place. Coast. Yeah. No pun intended. Maybe <laughs> maybe it maybe it is time. Maybe it is time to uh, to move on. To greener pastures and and do other things, but uh, you know maybe maybe we should talk about tax shelters next time you come down. But <laughs> <laughs> not my circus, not my monkey. Sorry, no. Uh, and and before before the end of the hour, I um, you want to introduce someone that's super special for you guys at uh, IG. So yeah. can you talk to me a little bit about him? Yeah. So you know when I'm back on in a couple weeks, we're going to be bringing on. Our chief investment officer, Philip Peterson, a brilliant guy, and he's going to talk to us about what's going on in the markets right now. Of course, this the end of this past week and in the week to follow, people are getting their first quarter statements. That's the first negative statement they've seen in a couple of years. Obviously, there's a lot of worries about inflation and and Ukraine and and things going around uh, the world. So he's going to talk to us about what's uh, what's going on in the economy what's how it's the markets are being affected uh, you know how these rising interest rates are, are affecting bond investors fixed income investors uh we'll we'll be able to ask him whatever we, whatever we want he's going to come on at the, the top of the hour with me and he'll stay as long as we want him to and just ask him anything 
So this is this is the man for you guys. This is this is the man. This is when when BNN is calling, looking for commentary on what's going on in the markets. He's the one who steps up and and goes on the uh, the news shows and and talks about the economy and the markets. So yeah. Now can you um can you tell people how they can find you, Mike? Uh, what is the easiest way to reach you? And uh, are there any uh, self-regulatory things that people need to ask themselves before they call you or your wisdom is available to everyone? It's available to everybody. You know, even if someone isn't eligible to become a client, I am more than happy to spend some time and give them some direction. And there has not been a, a single call over these last three years on the radio that we haven't at least been able to give them some advice that's been helpful. So they can call me direct at 905-320-6762. Or they can find me on the web, moneymike.ca, uh, .ca for sure. Um, come to the website. You can contact us through the website. You can read about myself and the team, get access to some resources, uh, including a summary of this most recent federal budget is available in our, in our resources section. Are there any other services that your, that your group, that your company offers mm-hmm. to my listeners? Well, we're, we're a comprehensive financial planning firm, so we don't just deal with investments. We do tax planning, estate planning, uh, insurance needs analysis, and risk management. Um, we, we essentially advise our clients on every aspect of their financial picture, whether they are someone who's invested in rental properties, they own their own business, uh, every aspect of your finances, whether we can manage it or not, we provide advice on it to help bring your whole family's fan- financial picture together and plan for multi-generational wealth to make sure that when, you know, all your hard work and hard-earned money, when you're done with it, we make sure it goes where you want it to go and, and not into the government's hands. So it's a very comprehensive um, service offering. And folks, this may be the best number that you have ever written down. Uh, It certainly was for me a few years back when I decided to just put my financial future in the hands of Money Mike. And I can tell you, I I had no idea what I was doing. And um, it's very difficult to come to the realization sometimes, especially if you're a high performer and you are just crushing it when it comes to the income generation capacities that you may have to put yourself in a position in which you say, you know, I need some help. And um, it, it took a, a divorce for me to finally come to terms with the fact that I needed some help. And uh, uh, I can tell you my life immediately changed after that. So call him, 905-320-6762. And, uh, or you can reach him at moneymike.ca. Uh, Money Mike, it's always great to have you here. And uh, I look forward to seeing you the next time around with um, this super important person that you bring in. I'm looking forward to talking to him for sure. Yeah, very, very, very interesting guy to talk to. Hey, my pleasure to be here as always, Greg. Great to see you. Good morning, everyone. Thank you. Uh, folks, you are listening to the Greg Carrasco Show. And uh, next hour, as you all know, is the hour of the grievances. You have a question, suggestion, concern. You have a beef. You have a problem. You call me. Why? Because I'm the only one that listens to you. 289-275-9600 is the phone number. The show is brought to you by Oakville Nissan in Oakville Infinity. Oakville Infinity, for the time being, is the largest <laughs> Infinity retailer in the province of Ontario, according to March's numbers. That's an incredible feat. Lex, take us to a break. We'll be right back.
What's up, everybody? This is Randy Couture. And if I'm not beating people up, I'm listening to The Greg Carrasco Show. Give it a listen. Take care. It is time for Greg Carrasco! Kick it! Whoa, it's The Greg Carrasco Show. Get this party on the road. How fast can this light go? Whoa, yeah. Celebrity guests from the East Coast to the West. Carrasco, trending Twitter like a bomb Tens of thousands on his lawn He's even followed by your mom Broadcasting live Here is your warning The topics are flowing Every Saturday morning Car talk like Sherlock The guy knows wheels like a Dow stock Movie talk on the boardwalk Shoot facts like a tomahawk So entertaining Turn up the station There's no more waiting This show is beginning It's too late to escape Let's go Here's your host Greg Carrasco. Slacker Nation is back. It's getting hot here in my place. Especially when I hear that our favorite dictator is increasing taxes again. This is like the feudal lords. Hey, let's make them pay more so we can spend more. So they can pay more so we can spend more. I don't understand how Canadians at any given point can say that this is something they're okay with. You know, when the average Canadian has to work for six to six and a half months a year for them to pay their tax burden, before you take a single penny home. You're working half of your life to support the government. And, they, and then you say that we have free health care? Wait, what? Wait, pardon? What are you talking about? There is no such a thing as a free lunch. End of story. But in Canada, it's a double whammy. Because when you don't pay with money, you pay with time. But in Canada, we pay with both. Have you gone to the hospital lately? Have you tried to get an MRI or an X-ray or any procedure? How long have you had to wait? So not only you pay through your taxes, but you're also paying with your time. I blew up my knee a few years back and I needed to get an MRI done. I got a schedule appointment for six months later. And until I had the results of that MRI, I didn't know if I needed surgery or not. So my doctor said to me, how do you feel about going to Vegas? And I said, uh, well, I don't really want to, but... He says, and I said, why? He says, well, because if you go to Vegas, I can give you a prescription that you need an MRI. You can walk in, pay for your MRI. They'll have it done within 45 minutes, and you can fly back. So Vegas it was. <laughs> I flew in the morning, got the MRI done, flew back up. And I know some of you go to Buffalo, but Buffalo is not as exciting as Vegas. 
<laughs> I got the surgery done. Yeah, I didn't pay for it. Straight out of my after-tax dollars. But I pay enough taxes to get 50 heart transplants. Uh, are you okay with the tax system in Canada? Call me, 289-275-9600. 289-275-9600. You know, I figure that once you start looking at how much taxes you pay, you know, especially for people that have managed to make the mistake of being successful. You know, when you're sitting on a 50 to 53% tax 53% tax. And then every time you go and buy something, Nick, you have to pay 13%. After that, you have to pay your property taxes. You have to pay insurances. You have to pay all sorts of different things. So by the time it's all said and done, you're paying 70, 75% of each dollar that you earn to the big man. What do you think about that? <clears throat> It is a lot. I mean, I, I do, you know, I do think overall the, the concept of our system is pretty good. I, oh, stop it. Come on. You're talking like a true communist. No, no, I'm, the, I am not a communist. Communists have infiltrated the, the show, folks. I am, not, uh, I am, I am under attack by, a, in, <laughs> by an enemy ideology I, here I'm in not, my very own show. <laughs> let me explain. I'm definitely not a communist. But I'll say this. I do agree. People overall pay too many taxes, but if you look at the concept of you know having free healthcare in return for paying a bit more taxes, if it was just if it was reasonable, I like that that concept because if you look at the states, right? I mean, it is getting better, but let's say someone doesn't have health insurance and they have a massive problem, they'll be paying maybe five hundred thousand dollars or a million dollars in medical bills, and most people can't afford that. You know that that's not true, right? You know no, most most people in the U.S. will have. Uh, medical insurance and there is a basic health insurance have, that is provided by the government so that's not accurate but they they've been able to recently because it's been made more affordable and more available to them but you know not that long ago it wasn't widely available until you know the affordable health care act came in it wasn't that affordable and that's so it has gotten better but if you look at it not too long ago, the system wasn't good in the United States. In How many tens of thousands of dollars did you pay in taxes last year? Well, the, I, don't, I, don't, I don't have a high income. Exactly. So. so this is what happens until you see. And, and, and this is the truth. And, and I'm not calling you out on this. And I know that you're in school. But as you get a little bit older and you start you know, producing and you get yourself a good job and you start earning a significant amount of money, which I, I'm sure that you will then you start seeing every single dollar that comes out into your bank account being eroded by the fact that the, our government keeps getting fatter and fatter and fatter and fatter and keeps spending and spending and spending and spending. I, and then through no fault of your own, you're making less money. I, I do agree the spending's gone too far. I, I do agree with that. I think it was a good concept and a good system that it's been abused. You know, it's been abused recently, especially by the current administration, by, you know, our federal government. I think, though, the uh, in principle, the system of, you know, paying like paying for, you know, health care through taxes is good. But like I said, I think it's been abused and I think uh, it's, it's gone too far in terms of how much people are paying.
I That's think, the way I see it. I think that our healthcare system is absolutely broken. You know, I don't think that many people understand that hospitals are businesses and the government just writes a check of your money and uh, it doesn't matter what uh, what you and I think about this as a hospital, as an institution, as a corporation, they have a role to make themselves profitable. And the moment that you have that contravening thoughts, they're, they're conflicting ideologies in which you're trying to do what is best for the citizenship, but at the same time, you're making profit from the citizenship. It doesn't make any sense. And I think that we all know that the biggest draw, the biggest drain into the tax pool that we have here in Canada is healthcare, and no one is doing anything about it. I think one thing for sure, I've heard some people propose that there should be a, a hybrid system. There should be a hybrid system where, uh, you know, you have the uh, public option or the private option. You know, if you want, you know, more expensive care, then, you know, you can go pay for it at a private hospital. I do. I've heard some people suggest that. I think there's a problem with that, though. And that's all the doctors are going to go towards the private side because they're going to be offering higher salaries. So I really think that it has to be, in a sense, you know, kind of one or the other. Well, I would be perfectly okay with that if you're able to get quicker service and my tax burden is reduced. Because if I'm going to be paying my own medical bills, why would I want to pay the same amount of taxes into the system? You know, folks, do you agree with this? Are you okay with uh, with what's happening with the tax structure here in Canada? Call us, 289-275-9600. I really want to know what's on your mind this morning. And I know that many of you slackers are just sitting around there doing absolutely nothing. And you're going to call me right at the end of the hour. <laughs> Don't do that. <laughs> They're called slackers for a reason. <laughs> no, I mean, slackers. You know, I think that the name slacker nation where, came. Where did that come from? Yeah. <sighs> you know, anyone that is driving around, doing some work in the garage, gardening with your AirPods, it's not a slacker. So it was an ironic ideology or I, I, an ironic idea about the very opposite of who people who listen to the show are. They're not slackers. I mean, they are highly, they're highly productive individuals. And I mean, it's been proven simply by the number of my listeners that are reaching out to Money Mike and, uh, and sharing with them and transferring all their wealth into the advice that we're given here on the show. And I also see them when they come in. Uh, at the dealership. I mean, I, I have tremendous conversations with people that have been listening to the show for 10, 12, 13 years. And most of these people that listen to the show understand that this is just, this is not a regular show. Um, this is a show in which we come here and share ideas. Uh, you know, often I know that my area of expert, um, my areas of studies for that matter is the automotive. And that's folks, uh, when Money Mike is, is, is in the house, you listen to him because he knows what he's talking about. When I talk to you about cars, you have to listen to me. I think it's a good idea. I'll, I'll have your back. But when it comes to everything else, I'm just as terrified as you are. I, I, I'm just as clueless. I still I have no idea whether I'm coming or going when it comes to my personal life. So on that basis, I think that there is a lot to be said about just keeping each other company. I mean, we, we can commiserate together. And uh, the, the sort of feedback that we get from the show and, and the emails and the text and all the all the people that reach out to me on a regular basis here on the show through social media and all the other ways that people can reach me. I'm one of the easiest people to find. You know, it tells me that we are doing a public service. I think that, you know, opening the conversation to discuss what's going on in real life, 
about real things um, is, is important in our society these days. You know, conversation is important. Debate is important. And I think there are too many, uh, you know, you know, other networks, other radio stations, other shows where they just they don't encourage debate. They it's just it's one side. They just talk to people who agree with them and that's it. And I think that's a problem. You know, how do you find any common ground if you don't talk to people you disagree with and and, you know, have some sort of debate? It's healthy and it's part of democracy. Well, I, I think that debate is great. Um, and I think that I take a lot of pride in the sense that uh, that I can I'm, I'm honest enough to say I don't know. I, I don't have the answers. This is a, I don't have the monopoly on truth. So often radio shows will pontificate and dictate to people um, what they think their ideas are the right answer, that they are the right thing to do or the right thing to say or the right way to vote. I don't know. You know, I will forever and ever and ever regret the fact that I voted for Trudeau the first time. And uh, very, very quickly, I changed my mind. Um, I think that I, from a from an, a social standpoint, I I am as liberal as they come, but uh, what he was doing at a fiscal level, from a financial side, the way that he was affecting the country, and also this egalitarian <laughs> approach that he's taken to policy is something that I cannot stand by and stay quiet. Would you ever consider voting for another liberal leader somewhere down the road if you agreed with him on fiscal issues? No. No. no, Justin Trudeau solidify a thought that so long as I breathe, I will never, ever, ever vote for a liberal government again. And which is unfortunate because I was a member of the Liberal Party. I paid my dues. And uh, I think that there is a lot of people like me that are choosing to stay quiet uh, because, again, we live in a, in, in a society in which if you say the wrong thing at the wrong time about the wrong set of people that has been divided by this government, by the way, um, you can suffer some serious repercussions. But no, no, I have what, what the liberal government has done in my mind, as I sit here in my shorts, wearing my pantuflas, talking to you, Nick, here, I can tell you that so long as I am able, I will never vote for a liberal government. Never NDP is never really is never been even a part of this, uh, because I think that that's probably that's quite possibly one of the most damaging and hurtful things that the liberal government has ever done, which is to get in bed with the NDP. It's a it's a terrifying ideology. Terrifying. I think honestly, it comes down to power. You know, they saw the opportunity that you know they basically compromised a lot of beliefs because you know the liberal party did did not used to be maybe that far left um and they've compromised their beliefs because they want to keep power they have a minority government and they feel vulnerable and yeah they basically made a deal with them in order to keep that power well they made a deal with the devil that is for sure um and also i mean look there are no men of principle in our in canadian politics anymore and um what is the name of this guy from uh, Carlton? Uh, Pierre Polyev. Uh, Pierre Polyev. Yeah. There was a lot of there was a lot of hope riding in this guy. A lot of hope. I reached out to him and uh, I uh, I invited him on the show, 
And uh, we are hoping that uh, he sees the value in what we're doing here because, you know, whether you like it or not, we're still reaching over 70,000 of you every single Saturday morning here, which is unbelievable that a little show out of, you know, a Mississauga station, which is the last independent radio station in Ontario. And this is the reason why I'm here. Moving to Saga 960 was the absolute best thing that I could have done for my own sanity. I refuse to be censored. I won't do it. If I have to call the show the Greg Carrasco show, at least allow me to empty the contents of my mind. And if I cannot say what's on my mind, what is the point of this? This is the reason why I have the show. But there is a lot riding on, on Pierre Polyev uh, in this next federal election. What do you think of the other conservative candidates mm -hmm. You know who are taking who? on? Who? Well... John Shore, you know. Well, you know, in in, in that that's an interesting conversation because uh, a lot of people that uh, a lot of people think that Pierre Poliev is too much of a populist and uh, that he, he that he sat back th throughout the pandemic and never really um, you know set himself aside for the the government overflexing their power on the citizenship, imposing crazy crazy regulations that made no sense, and all of a sudden. COVID has been forgotten. Have you noticed this? Yeah. COVID doesn't exist anymore. You know how many lives were ruined because of the government nonsense? But anyways, a lot of people think that uh, Pierre Polyev is a bit too much of a populist for him to win the election and that Jean Charest can have uh, the, yeah. the Quebec vote. Uh, but I don't know how well he's going to do in the, uh, in the West. And I think that, uh, you know, and I've said this many times on the show before, uh, people from Alberta and the West have been vilified by by the Liberal government, and uh, we keep shutting down uh, the province and the main source of revenue for for tax here in Canada um, for for many 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 years. I think that somebody needs to come out of the right. The right needs to unite, and uh, they need to support one another as opposed to just tearing each other down. You know, um, Maxime Bernier made a made a critical error, I believe. Uh, when he allowed uh, the uh, the more extremist factors to 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 attach to to the PPC, I, I I have I have listened to him talk, folks, and um, he is not what you think he is. Uh, you know, he's a pro you know pretty loud, outspoken, moderate person. I mean, in both sides, you will find extremists, and you know, politicians don't like to be associated with those people. So, you know, you will find nut jobs on either side of the equation. But um, I think that the the hope of the right would lie on on Pierre or um, Jean Charest, yeah, for sure, for sure. Which one do you like? I personally prefer Jean Charest. I think uh, you know he's a. I, I'm you know more like politically, I'm more towards the center. I think Jean Charest is you know more moderate, so he goes more with my views. But I do wonder. Um, I think Polyev has the best chance when it comes to winning the leadership. However, I think. His challenge will be doing well in Ontario overall. Obviously, he's, his writing is in Ontario, but Ontario overall and Quebec, mm -hmm. because those are pretty liberal provinces. Um, and, but even Charest, you know, it's no guarantee for him because, you know, some people in Quebec like him. You know, he used to be premier of Quebec. He was premier for 10 years, but some people can't stand him. So it's not like if Charest wins, but isn't that, isn't it's a that foregone a, conclusion. Yeah, but isn't that a normal thing? Whenever you assume a a position of power, especially oh, in politics, you will always, you are bound to be hated by half of the population. 
No, but, no, that is true. That is true. But uh, with Charest, some people even realize if maybe even more than half of Quebec doesn't like him uh, because he was voted out in his, uh, you know, in the last election that he ran for. Uh, so people are wondering, you know, how how much of a chance does he really have? It's I just think the conservatives are challenged in any way because you, you've seen it. They've tried, you know, they tried Andrew Scheer, who was, you know, a bit who wasn't a moderate, wasn't, you know, an, ex, you know, a hard right conservative either, but was, wasn't a moderate. They couldn't win with him. They tried Aaron O'Toole, who was a moderate. They couldn't win with him either. So no, you have I, to wonder. I, I think that this is very simple. I think that you have a bunch of people that they've put in the leadership and they have led the they have allowed the leadership of the party to be led by polls. They, they feel that by satisfying what the latest poll is saying, they're going to be able to gain the popular favor, which is not the case. Folks, you know, companies and countries don't break down because of the populace. They break down because of lack of leadership. And uh, I, in all the years that I have been in this wonderful country of mine, Canada, this is the absolute most embarrassing leadership that we have ever had. I don't know how anyone with any self-respect can stand in front of the ethics commission four times and not fire themselves. And somehow we allow this to take place. So I think that the moment we have a leadership of the opposition, a leadership of the conservative party, um, who is a man of principle, who is a well-spoken, charismatic intellectual, who is a think tank that can defend the points that they're trying to make without uh, resorting to argumentative tactics in attacks, which is what they do all the time. Um, I think that the, you, you're going to see a surprise. The, I think that the tie has turned for the Liberal Party, and they knew that if, if they were ever to call out another election, they were going to get voted out. And that's the reason why they jump into bed into this um, unethical alliance that they put together with the NDP. I think the bottom line is if the Conservative Party wants a, a chance of winning the next election, they have to do better in Quebec. And they're going to have to take some seats from the Liberals. And they're also going to have to take some seats from the Bloc Québécois, who have, you know, for some reason, become a lot stronger in recent years. They hold about 32 seats. They hold, they hold more seats than the NDP. You know, a party that's only in Quebec holds more seats than the NDP, which is in the whole nation. So Quebec, some people don't realize how important Quebec is. Well, they need a leader who's going to appeal to Quebec. I think that, uh, you know, Pierre Poliev is probably the guy to do it. I don't know if we should continue to recycle uh, all politicians that have already come and gone. And, uh, and, and that's the problem with, Jean, uh, what is his name? Jean Charest. I think that that, that, is, that is going to present another problem. I mean, is that the best that we can do? Can we find a new generation of articulate, well-spoken think tanks that can lead the country into a better situation as opposed to just taking it so far down the left that we don't even know? We, I don't even know what we're turning ourselves into, into these days. And I've said it on the show many times before. I have no problem with the NDP existing. I mean, I think that, you know, the more leftist, extremist side of our population, they need to speak to. I mean, they, haven't, they have a voice. My beef with the NDP is that they're not honest with themselves and they call themselves what they truly are, which is the Communist Party of Canada. 
And I think that this is sort of a PR move by, by, uh, by politicians to sell you a snake oil that you truly don't really want. Because if people actually knew who the NDP is, they would be a little bit more reluctant to go down that rabbit hole that historically has never taken us to a good place. And, you know, look, and I've said this before, and many people will get upset with me, but I don't particularly care, that if in your 20s you are not on the left, you don't have a heart. But if in your 40s you're not on the right, you don't have a brain. All you need to do, folks, is just to ask an immigrant, ask an immigrant who came from one of those countries, and they'll tell you exactly where they see Canada heading. We have a caller right now. I want, I, they didn't write uh, their name here, that it wants to talk about conservatives never winning again. Um, who do we have on the line? Um, good morning. You want to talk about politics with me? Yeah, Greg, uh, I don't know, man. I, I just, I think, I don't think uh, there's never going to be a, another conservative government, man. What is your name? You know, because, listen, the conservatives, man, they're a bunch of racist people, man. That's I'm not, an immigrant, okay, okay? Okay, hold on a second. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Yeah, hold on, stop, stop, stop. The liberals, they help. Okay, sorry, number one. If you're going to call the show, you cannot generalize. Do you understand that generalizing the way that you just did is exactly what racists do? They generalize. So you cannot paint every single conservative person as a racist. What is wrong with you? If you're going to have an honest conversation with... Okay, Okay. I need to hang up with you. I I need to hang up on you. Did you hang up on him? If you're going to call the show and you're going to spew nonsense like you just did, don't do it. Anyone with two brain cells to rub together would understand that you cannot classify half the population as racist. I am also an immigrant. And just because I'm on the right, just because I'm a fiscally conservative person, I am a racist? Come on. That's, it's intellectually dishonest, and it's also not true. Getting me all riled up here. You know, I take a lot of pride that there's smart people that listen to my show. But if you're going to call and just spew nonsense this isn't for you this isn't the show i don't want any extremists to call here i don't want any anti-vaccine nut job to call me i don't want any communists to call the show although i would love to have i thought i had one here sitting across from me a couple of minutes ago when i was wrong (laughs) call us (laughs) 289-275-9600, 289-275-9600, 289-275-9600, is the phone number. You're listening to The Greg Carrasco Show. This is the hour of the grievances. You have a beef? Call me. I am your man. The show is brought to you by Oakville Nissan in Oakville Infinity, and we are the home of the no-commission salespeople. Lex, let's go to a short break. We'll be right back. My name is Sean Avery. I love getting under people's skin, but not as much as this guy. You're listening to The Greg Carrasco Show. 
Hey, hey, what's up, Toronto? When the boogeyman goes to sleep, he checks under his bed for me. Ken Shamrock here, and you're listening to The Greg Carrasco Show. Hello, Toronto. Somebody got a, <laughs> a liberal bullet blasted in somebody's head. You know, I, I'd like to invite that caller that didn't give us a phone number to call us back. 289-275-9600. You know, if you promise to have a civil conversation with me, I'll talk to you. But you see, we need to take turns. It's terrible radio when you just keep shouting at the microphone and I am forced to hang up on you. I like to talk to everybody, even when we disagree. But when you're making awful claims and then you don't even let me say what I have to say, I have to dump the call. It's not good radio. But it's amazing to me how many people seem to think that too. Would you agree with that? It, no, it is amazing. And it's, I, the thing is people, they, like you said, they should not generalize and they need to understand that you can't, you can't take one group and say, yeah, everyone is this way or everyone is that way because one group is made up of a number of different people with, you know, shared views when it comes to certain things, but not shared views on everything. So it's just honestly, it's kind of ignorant, in my opinion, to just label an entire group as this or that when you don't know everybody. Well, I guess you can. Uh, there is ideologues. You know, you can you can see what they think in one or two different topics, and you know exactly how they feel about everything else. But uh, <laughs> and it, it does happen from time to time. But I would say that that customer was a bit out of line. There was there was a lot of <laughs> need a foil hat. Tin foil hat. Two eight nine two seven five ninety six hundred is the phone number to call. Wow, you know that guy chose violence. Yeah, he, he was aggressive. <laughs> well, listen, you are welcome to call the show and disagree with me, which is which is all I want. I, I understand that you, you and I may not agree on things, but, uh, you know, the, the reality is that we need to hold <laughs> some level of civil decorum. You know, we still need to hit the airways. I want to talk to Tony on the phone. Tony, what's on your mind? Thank you for calling the Carrasco show. What's up? Tony. Hi, thanks for uh, having me. How are you today, Greg? I am... I'm good, man. I'm good. I'm good. Even when I'm not, I'm still good. <laughs> Talk yeah, to me. What's listen, on your mind? Brother, I'm going to tell you something that is not a very popular thing to say, but I will reiterate. It is very respectful. When my parents immigrated to Canada from where? in the early 60s, Europe, okay. Okay, um, there, there, was an in, there was an understanding among immigrants that 
it was important to learn the English language so you can function in this society. And it was important to assimilate, to be as much of a Canadian as possible so you can assimilate in society and be successful. At the time, the majority of the cops in the 60s and in the 70s were Anglo-Saxon, and the Europeans were picked on a lot, and I mean a lot. Anybody who grew up on St. Clair, Little Italy, college, all those areas during that time, they can confirm the, the hard times that Europeans experienced. Now, in today's society, why is it such a wrong thing to want to be Canadian first and wherever you came from second? Why do we have to adopt cultures and laws and, and all sorts of things from other jurisdictions where life is cheap, mind you, life is cheap in those parts of the world, to Canada. What is wrong to coming to this country and saying, I want to be Canadian first and everything else is second? Mm. Well, I have a lot of thoughts on that because as an immigrant myself and uh, as a Canadian Army vet myself, I can tell you that there is a there is a severe lack of nationalism here in Canada. We, uh, I don't know, for for the last little while, I've noticed that you know, for for a very long time, I was just oblivious to this, simply because I was concentrated in other things. And then, you know, you get to a point in your life in which you can stop and just look up and look around and not make it about yourself anymore. And I seem to be there right now, and it's terrifying. But whatever, it, I, I I do realize that. Um, it's starting at the government level. We are, we celebrate our differences as opposed to our similarities. And um, you know what, what may seem like we we are we love everybody, we love everything. Is to me, it's more like a divide and conquer tactic. <laughs> you know, if we can divide our society into different cultures, different countries, into different ideologies, into you know, we are so unbelievably divided right now that there is not a uniform thought. There is, not a, there is not a cultural definition of who we are. And I know that the postmodernists are going to, you know, <laughs> complain about this because that's what this is about. But the, the reality is this, that we don't have a defining identity as, as Canadians. And, and that, that is a troubling thought for me because I, I wasn't born here. My roots are in another country, but I'm a Canadian. I have spent twice as long in Canada as I ever spent in the previous country. And uh, my family is here. My friends are here. My roots are here. In fact, when I go there, they see me as a foreigner because I, believe it or not, I have an accent. And uh, when I'm here, I also have an accent. So it's like I belong nowhere. <laughs> but, you know, it's, a, it's, a, it's an interesting thought. Um, people find it somehow embarrassing or um, not as important to describe themselves as Canadian first. And I never understood it. I, I, I don't get it. Um, how do you think you can fix that, Tony? Um, I believe your, um, your position resonates among, vast, among a vast majority of, of society or the public in Canada, but um, there, is, uh, there is a containment uh, sense that if somebody in, in a powerful position, whether it's politics or, or business or accounting or whatever the case might be, if they, if they convey these thoughts, 
they are afraid of the repercussions and the twisting and the wordsmithing. And, and you know, listen, my background is Christianity. When Christians from Europe came to this country, for the most part, we're passive people. We do not try to change the laws. We do not try to remove historical you, You're navigating... Da- Hold on a second, Toronto. Tony. Tony, you're navigating dangerous waters here. I'm just warning you. You know that, right? <laughs> so, yes, yes. So just be careful on, what comes out of your mouth, show. because if <laughs> you have to be careful. You know, we, we have to be careful, yes. okay, and respectful. Go ahead. Yes, yes. So I'm, I, I will walk on eggshells and be very respectful. So the Europeans that immigrated to this country many decades ago, we did not try to change the laws. We did not try to remove historical structures because we found something that was okay in the 1800s but is not okay by today's standards. You know, for the most part, we were passive people. We embraced and we accepted the new country. But unfortunately, that type of approach among immigrants is no longer um, present. People want to change this country to represent where they came from. And, and all I can say is, is that if you're coming from a country where a dictator runs it, life is cheap, there is uncontrolled corruption, and, and they want to adopt those ph- philosophies or that way of life in Canada, we're going to have a, a major problem in this country because we have no identity, like you said. Well, you know, I who, think that I think that we, Tony, yeah. we're already there. We we are already there. We're, I think that we're already paying the repercussions of this. And uh, all you need to see it is how how divided we are after the last pandemic. I mean, the moment that we start vilifying anyone that doesn't think the same way as you and you call them crazy and anti-vaxxing nut jobs and you say all these things simply because somebody doesn't want the government overreaching that's just a you know that's just the icing and the cake that's just that's the top of the iceberg and um, you know we can talk about this for a long time tony but thank you i, I really appreciate your phone call um the number to call is 289-275-9600 289-275-9600 and that if you're calling, folks, you need to write down the phone number because I, I may give you a prize for the best phone call of the day. Um, folks, you are listening to The Greg Carrasco Show. This is a free-flowing show. We is unscripted, and this is the hour of the grievances. You have a beef? You have a question, suggestion, concerns, problems? You have a grievance? I will listen to you. Call me, 289-275-9600 is the phone number. The show is brought to you by Oakville Nissan and Oakville Infinity. And before you make any car buying decisions, you owe it to yourself. And until supplies last, if you have good credit and you want to finance any one of our used vehicles, either an Infinity or Nissan, you can take a six-month payment vacation. You don't have to make payments for six months. Lex, let's take a short break, and we'll be right back. What's up, everybody? This is Randy Couture, and if I'm not beating people up, I'm listening to The Greg Carrasco Show. Give it a listen. Take care. Darcy Tucker here, and if you're hearing the sound of my voice, it's too late to escape. You're listening to The Greg Carrasco Show.
We're back. Slacker Nation is listening. The show is brought to you by Oakville Nissan and Oakville Infinity. And before you make any car buying decision, you owe it to yourself to get some common sense injected into you. That's why you come and see me. Just not on Tuesdays. I do laundry on Tuesdays. Let's talk to Shane. Shane, thank you for calling Slacker Nation. How can I make your life better this morning? Yeah, sorry about the slacker part. Uh, <laughs> I was actually driving in the car. I'm just on the way to the gym. But uh, I do take objection to the fact that people don't understand what being Canadian is. I was born in Canada. I have an immigrant father and a mother who goes back uh, three generations in Canada. Mm -hmm. I've always considered myself a Canadian. And my identity as a Canadian has never been in question for me. So people that don't understand what being Canadian is, is really a puzzlement to me. I understand if you're an immigrant, of course, it might be a little difficult, uh, you know, assimilating into the country. But people who were born here and are, have grown up here should understand what their identity as a Canadian is. I don't think it should be an issue. I don't, I don't disagree with you. And I can tell you, when, when I immigrated here, I, I was very young. I was 17, and I came on my own. And uh, very quickly, I knew that I had, when, when in Rome, I had to do what Romans did. So I jumped into the Canadian Army, and uh, I dedicated a tremendous amount of brain power to learn the language. I never went to school to learn English. I, I remember listening to the radio. Yeah. CFRB 1010 at the time. What's that? I'll tell you something. I jumped on a plane when I was about uh, 30 years old. I was going back over about 20 years. Jumped on a plane to Europe. And uh, with no Canadian flag or no real identi identifying uh, things on me, People knew right away, just as soon as I opened my mouth or just looking at me, they, they would come up to me and say, are you Canadian? I, would, I, was, I was shocked. Wow. They, they would just know I was Canadian by we, the way I spoke, by the way I dressed, by the way I combed my hair or something. <laughs> so there, there, there is definitely, a, you know, outside of Canada, people do identify Canadians, you know, through the way they speak or the way they look or the way they, they think. Uh, as Canadians. So uh, outside of Canada, I don't think people have an issue identifying Canadians as Canadian. Uh, you, you, you may be right. And thank you so much for the phone call, Shane. I have to move on. But uh, yeah, I don't think that... One. Thank you. You as well. Happy Easter. The, um, I don't think that people that were born and raised here have as much of an issue as, as, uh, as the people that are embracing this new divide and conquer situation that we have going on in, through Canadian politics. And for that, we need to talk about the next person whose name we don't know. And they want to talk about liberals and conservatives in Canadian elections. Uh, what, what's on your mind, sir? Uh, good morning. Hello. How are you? Hi, Greg. Nice to hear a uh, person again with uh, an accent <laughs> on the radio, uh, you know, in a host position, let's say. Oh, on thank you. Radio. Yes, we spoke once before and uh, you didn't like, um, or, no, you liked what I said, but uh, you didn't agree with me completely. So which I'd like to continue with a little bit in that direction. Yeah, just make because, it quick uh, because we're approaching the end of the yeah, show. Yeah, yeah. So talk to me. I, uh, well, Yes, I want to say this, that uh, there are such concepts as conservative uh, principles for the planet uh, or for our health, 
which concerns our planet and concerns our health. Uh, this is certain lifestyle, certain mindset, healthy mind, healthy body that concerns the body and the health uh, for the planet and for the individuals. Now, I like to think I, I'm a thinker. That's why I'm calling you a little bit uh, like uh, I'm not a slacker because I'm just in my condition and I'm just uh, thinking a lot and I cannot uh, sometimes call ahead before I kind of can focus on certain things. No problem. Uh, you know. Yeah, I don't consider myself as lucky, it's just we are all in our circumstances. So I just want to say that in my understanding of things, that there is a conservative globalism and there is liberal uh, uh, globalism. As far as I understand, people who are like uh, in this world, uh, there's like a movement of this, uh, I would say, liberal globalists so far, but I'm not sure if this is the right direction. And uh, I think the conservative globalism is actually what will bring us into a brighter or better future or a non-destruction of climate and all this, um, you know, I, our systems uh, and our health, is, global you, health. Okay, hold on a second. I need to put sure. you on pause. That's sure. a lot to unpack right in the last four minutes of the show. So I will strongly encourage you that you call me back next week so we can talk about that because I'm not going to talk about the globalist agenda <laughs> with four or three minutes at the end of the show. <sighs> it's one of them days. <laughs> Thank you so much for that phone call. I really appreciate it. Folks, this has been an, <laughs> it's been an interesting show. I really hope that you all take the time to spend those minutes with your family to hug your loved ones to tell them you love them you never know just you never know give them a squeeze make them uncomfortable and for all those immigrants in which it is okay in culturally practice to hug another man and give him a big kiss as a sign of affection. You want to see somebody uncomfortable? Grab an old Canadian and just give him a kiss. <laughs> you know, one of the men that I love the most in my entire life, and I've talked about him on the show several times, his name is Gary Bowman. He's like a 50-generation Canadian. He's, he's as Canadian as they come. You know, every time I see him, I just grab his head and I give him a kiss. <laughs> he doesn't know how to deal with it. <laughs> it seems to be an uncomfortable thing. Love people. Choose love. Look for the good. Look for reasons to be happy. Think of this as a motorcycle course. Don't look at the guardrail. You'll hit it. Because whatever you're looking for, you're going to find. <laughs> if you're looking for problems, guess what? You'll find problems. If you're looking at your partner and looking for reasons to be unhappy with them, guess what? You're right. You were unhappy with them. Make the decision. Make the decision to be happy, to look for the good. Because if you don't do it, who else is going to do it? At the end of it all, you are the only person who is 100% responsible for what goes on inside your mind. Nothing outside of it is in your control. You and only you 
are the only thing that you have any power over. Nothing else, nothing else is under your control. And the moment you understand that is the moment that you stop being a victim. Being a victim is the opposite of accountability. When you hold yourself accountable for the good and the bad, you're not a victim anymore. You are empowered. When everything falls under the premise that it's your fault, everything in your life is your fault, then you can make a change. And we are so incredibly flawed that accepting it is the first step to healing. We can't change, you know. We can't be better people. And remember this. This very second forward, you haven't made a single mistake. Your future is spotless. You haven't screwed up once from now forward. Now, how long are you going to keep it that way? <laughs> that is up to you. Thank you so much for indulging me yet again, folks. I love you all except two of you. Two of you that I have no love for you. But the rest, I love you all. The show is brought to you by Oakville Nissan and Oakville Infinity. And you need to come and see me. I will help you not make mistakes when you buy a car. Because at Oakville Nissan and Oakville Infinity, there's something happening there at OakvilleNissan.com. serving with you all. Autobots, roll out!